Today on Locked On Canadians, the Prospect Rookie Showcase Tournament thingy is over, and we're going to talk about three up, three down, what surprised us about the tournament, and that's all coming up in today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone and welcome to episode 687 of locked on canadians your team every day we're part of the locked on podcast network and we're so grateful to you for listening to us or watching to watching us on youtube my name is laura sab also known as the active stick and i'm joined as always by scott matlove habs eyes on the prize scott was on location covering the uh prospect rookie showcase tournament i don't even know what it's called it's not like a tournament it's just a showcase basically it's where teams play against each other uh all of that in buffalo he was on he was live watching it you know reporting on it for Habs eyes on the prize and he's got all the observations scott how has this weekend been it has been uh it's been a lot uh i didn't realize how much i missed hockey and i didn't realize how much i did miss all the nonsense that comes along with watching and reporting on hockey uh I'm going with showcase, I think, because like I said, there's no standings or whatever. Uh, I got to say, though, the Canadians prospect pool is fun. A lot of really fun guys. There are a lot of people we wouldn't expect to kind of be running the show there a little bit. But you know what? Across the board, it was a good time. Uh, It was nice to get back and it was really nice to actually watch a bunch of these prospects in person uh, for the first time. And those of you who watched it on the Canadians YouTube channel as well had a lot to say about it. I think here's how, how here's how we're going to split up the next couple of episodes. So just peek behind the curtain. We're recording both these episodes uh, on Sunday night after the last game, the third game between the Habs and the Sens or the Habs rookies and the Sens rookies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, this segment, we're going to talk about uh, what surprise Scott from the tournament. The next segment, we're going to do three down, as we always do on Mondays. And then the last segment is going to be three up. And then we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about Yuri Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky in the first segment of the next episode, which will also include all the mailback questions that we've received up until Sunday. Um, but let's start, Scott. What surprised you the most out of this three-game rookie showcase? I think the biggest thing for me is it was the undrafted guys, the uh, the lower tier prospects. And I want to say that in uh, not a, a distasteful way, but guys like Pierre Dubay, uh, Cedric Guignon, uh, uh, Xavier Simino got drafted later on in the draft or weren't picked at all, were playing with the most to prove in this because they want to be offered a professional contract. Uh, they want to be offered a spot to play here in the future. Simino is obviously signed to the AHL, but like Pierre Dubay played with the Lions in the ECHL last year. And they weren't the flashiest, but they worked really, really hard every single shift here. And I think a lot of it is, is that this Canadians group of prospects played a game so different than what we were used to seeing with Montreal up until Martin saying the week came in. There's puck support on everything. There's a lot of skill there. Uh, William Trudeau, who was a guy who isn't very flashy, sent a knee high backhand saucer pass across the offensive zone to hit someone to set a play up. And it was so 
lost in everything else that happened in the game on Sunday against the Senators, but it was incredible. Just the depth of guys here is that not everyone's going to be a superstar. There were, and this is going to sound mean, but it's the truth is there's not a ton of high superstar potential out of this group, but there was a lot of very good NHL regular quality in a lot of them as they play against other prospects right now. Obviously, there's store development, but just the consistency up and down the lineup. Even when guys look bad, they had a good shift after that, or they had a couple of a bad turnover. They came down and did something else after that. They were remarkably consistent. Even if they only won one of the games, they still played really well across all three of them. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I know that it's not real games, quote unquote, right? But they're giving these young players an opportunity to play against those they're going to play against in the future once they do make the NHL. And they're giving some people some opportunities to prove themselves. I thought, you know, obviously we praise Owen Beck a lot on this podcast. He's definitely going to be one of our favorites going forward. Uh, You know, he was definitely one of those where I would say he took the opportunity and made the most out of it. But you can say that for almost any player on the ice, right? Like there were a lot of players there, like like you mentioned, Simono, you mentioned Trudeau. Uh, I would say Arbor Jacki as well. Like they maximized what they did with the opportunity, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, a, a couple of people were like, oh, this isn't even that important. Who cares? You know, like these players might not even make the NHL ever or like they're not going to make the team. I think it matters. I think every game they play matters. You can't turn around and say that, you know, scouting and prospect work is is more important than it ever used to be. You can't turn around and expect us to know everything about the Habs and then not want us to watch and cover and talk about these games. Every single game that we watch any of these prospects play, and even when they're back at the OHL, WH, or whatever, uh, QMJHL for most of them, um, every single game that they play is going to be so important for us to watch and review and analyze. So for me, like what I, what I think you can tell a lot from is, you know, you're talking about competition and maybe, you know, the New Jersey devils prospects or the Buffalo prospects are step ahead, or maybe that game was just not the way, or maybe it was goaltending. You don't know. Right. But then you look at the way that they played against the, um, the baby senators. And for me, like it wasn't, you know, it, again, it's a meaningless game, quote unquote, but it was very satisfying to see them see like they lost two games and they're like, that's not going to happen now. Like, I'm just going to give everything that I've got. And they ended up roundly trouncing them, which is never annoying when it's the Ottawa Senators. Right. When it, you know, but I just I thought that the attitude they displayed. Right. So you can't tell how far a person is in their development unless you're looking at specific plays they're making and whether they're making them better than before. And if you look at the attitude they take towards their game. And I thought for me, what I loved about the Habs players was the attitude. Like nobody was slacking off, even when they were making mistakes, like they were giving it their all. And that's definitely something that we want to see, not just from the prospects, but from the Laval Rocket under Ul and uh, against uh, and also in the NHL level under Martin St. Louis. And that's the thing is it's like I they didn't play any different from game to game to game. Yeah, the lineups were different, but this the ideas were all the same. It was all the same, you know, supporting your teammates, running these kind of plays, doing this, working through this. It's just one they got a little bit better goaltending, which, you know, we'll talk about that in one of the segments here upcoming potentially, but like Sometimes you just get bounces that go your way and it changes the game. Simple as that. Uh, I There's only so much you can take away from things like this, but it was really nice to see that they did end on a win, banded on a big win. 
Guys were happy. You know, we saw some very, very funny things happen in that game. Uh, I'm just, I, it's a really good first step for a lot of these guys. Cause here's the thing is some of these players are not going to play beyond like the red white scrimmage in a couple of weeks, potentially they're going to be there in camp extra body. And then they're going to go to the AHL camps. They're going to go back to their junior teams if that's what they're doing. And some of these players are fighting for, Hey, I want to stick around through as long as I can in the preseason. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition here very soon for the Canadians. It's going to give fans a reason to watch this oddly long preseason that they're playing. So um, I'm a big fan. And with this oddly long preseason that they're playing, it's just a reminder that we are going on to five episodes a week starting today. So we'll be back to being your team every weekday. And in the meantime, today's episode, it's a Monday episode. So we're going to do a three up and three down. And as always, we're going to start with the three down first. But first, let me tell you that betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game match news and podcasts including this year's opening week games bet online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and scores it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mlb mma boxing and golf head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts And Scott, it's Monday, so let's do where our Monday start, which is three up and three down. And as per tradition, we like to go with three down first. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The Ottawa Senators are one of my downs. So for existing, we're we're I'm going to contextualize this a little bit because the game got very chippy as expected. Prospect games tend to do that. You have a lot of guys it's who are trying to prove themselves, and. A uh, friend of the show, Mark Dumont, put it best that fighting in prospect tournaments should mean your tournament is over afterwards. Like, you want to fight, great, but you're going to pay for it. The thing is, um, Senators fans are very mad at Arbor Jacki at following the game because he's in the penalty box grinning and laughing, you know, having a time after he had uh, – one of his hits had injured one of the Senators players and another one sent him to the box for two minutes for boarding. And then he got in a fight where he knocked his opponent out and, you know – then just he's sitting in the box smiling uh, after the game. He was talking in a media scrum and he says, as I'm skating there, I see the guys on the bench. They're all laughing. They're smiling. They're banging their sticks because they were waiting for this moment because he, and I, I don't mean to use this meme lightly as he's got that dog in him and this is what he does. So he gets to the box. He sees them laughing, grinning, and he's like, he's laughing along too. He's having a good time. As it turns out, he was fired up for most of the game after the second period was over. Uh, he stayed to talk with the officials and someone asked, it's like, were they telling you to calm down, you know, clean it up? This that. He goes, no, I went to go talk to them because someone on the Senators team was saying, uh, as he phrased it, bad comments on the ice. And I wasn't going to stand for that kind of thing. And I wasn't going to deal with that. So I went to talk to the officials be like, these guys are saying these things. They're inappropriate. They're not part of the game. They're crossing a line here. Can we, you know, try to rein that in a little bit? And, the response to that is, well, maybe they were it, the comments that I've gotten in replies to that. There's been mostly sane and then people taking it as a joke. And it's very clear that we haven't learned anything from any part of hockey culture going on lately. Um, 
that entire game was kind of gross because once uh, Jack I had that fight, people kept wanting to challenge him and they smartly then decided to run away once he stared at them and it just got ugly and stupid as games against the Senators do. And they're, I get that the officials are training and doing their best, but that game got away from them in a hurry and uh, they're very... I shouldn't say they're lucky that no one got hurt. Two players did get hurt in that game. They're lucky it wasn't even worse than it already was, uh, to be quite honest. And that's exactly it. Like, you know, it's a joke when I say that I was mad at the Ottawa Senators for existing. But really, it's not okay. Like, you just have to imagine that if you were just going to go and whine to the refs about something innocuous, the refs would laugh in your face. Like, he's going to the refs because they're saying things that are not appropriate. And that's got to be, you know either homophobic or sexist or racist or, you know, or misogynistic or something, right? Like that's, that's what I would imagine you would go to the refs about that you would want reined in. Cause otherwise I'd like, you would, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't dare. You wouldn't go whine to the refs about anything. If somebody's just calling you a clown or whatever, it's not that. So like that to me was really upsetting. So that's one. Um, another down, honestly, I, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, in tomorrow's episode is kind of the reaction to Slavkovsky. Uh, anointing him in day one and then on day three when he plays again he's you know he's not as amazing as he was the first game and so everybody's turned on him and he's a bust now like can we not be normal for one day I and one of our our friends at this K pointed this out it's like one one day he was great game one I think people wanted to see more of that high-end flash like he showed against Buffalo where he's taking on four defenders at once and trying to do crazy things and I noticed him being a lot more patient. And you know what? That's fine. He was still very effective at what he does. He's still very good at what he does uh, for where he's at. But he's also a project. He's just barely 18 years old. It's going to take some time here. And uh, the reaction, like you said, it's like, oh, he didn't score like 10 goals in this tournament. Uh, who cares? Uh, people who watched his games in Finland are like, yeah, he might do nothing in a meaningless preseason game. And then just go on a tear for the next two months. And that's just kind of how it is. It You were not anointing or, you know, calling someone a bust after two preseason prospect games. It, the, the reaction is so overblown that I we knew there was going to be pressure on this. Like from the start, there was always going to be his first overall pick. If this was Shane right here, it'd be the exact same thing again. Like, oh, he didn't have 10 goals. Terrible bust. Who cares? Like, a little bit of nuance goes a long way. Like if you're analyzing based off of this prospect tournament where it's the ice was not very good and these guys haven't played together that much, it's you're wasting your time. And it's one of the most frustrating things to deal with because you can't say anything without being like, Oh, so you're just ignoring this or he's a bust or this it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Just relax. I'm begging you. And Scott, I'm curious, what is your third down of the week, having been there and watched everything in person? This, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised by this. Uh, I don't think anyone on the Canadians prospect group was bad. Uh, I look at Justin Barron, though, and I think I wanted him to dominate the game a little more than he did. He and Caden Gooley played well. Jordan Harris and Justin Barron played well, or and Matthias Norlander played well. It's just... For a guy who I think a lot of us are anticipating to be in the NHL to start this year, there was a little bit of polish missing to the end of his game that I think we would have wanted to have seen from someone who's going to be an NHL regular at some point this year. He wasn't bad. I think he played very well. It's just 
for what the level of expectation for him, I didn't see it as much. And that might just be an expectations thing because some people weren't super impressed with Matthias Norlinder or Jordan Harris, and they had some mistakes. Everyone, everyone on this team made mistakes this weekend, except for maybe Owen Beck. But that's besides the point. I think with the expectations I went into this with, with Baron being there, which kind of surprised me in the first place, was I just expected a little bit more uh, of a smooth kind of domination to his game. He played really well, and I think the Canadians played well with him on the ice. But there's some um, polish that's still needed in his game that showed through in this to me. So my two things with him is that, one, he did come back from an injury, so it could be rust. Right. Maybe his yeah. offseason conditioning wasn't where it needed to be because of how late in the season his injury was. I also just wonder if he was just holding back because it's a prospect rookie tournament. He doesn't want to get hurt. He wants to make the team. So those are the two because it did kind of feel like there was it's like you said, he wasn't dominating. It's not like he was outright bad or anything like that. It's just that he wasn't dominating. And it was something that we wanted to see. And it's something that we want to see uh, from him. I'm not going to give up hope on that. Uh, but I do think that you are right. I do agree with you. And again, it's not to knock him in any way. It's just that the intensity was missing. And I know that if he continues that way before anything happens, he's going to get a talking to from the coaches and stuff to like increase his intensity. And maybe if it is an injury thing, he'll get more rehab. He'll get more conditioning. Uh, that's that's honestly where I stood uh, from that because the Canadians obviously think very highly of him. They made him the captain for all the games, and uh, so I just I want you know I want to make sure that um, that we're not like I, I want to make sure people know that we're not deriding him unnecessarily. But in the meantime, those were our downs. It's time for three up, and that's coming up in just one moment. All right, Scott. Three up. We're going to have to narrow our, our three up. <laughs> We're going to have to narrow down our three up because we've only got three. Who's your first? Yeah. Uh, the easy one, it, it's Owen Beck. Uh, like, how how could it not be at this point? The He was so good in every facet of the game. He played all three games. He played second line for two of them, and he played top line with uh, Slavkovsky in the last one. And he just does all the little things right. Uh it, 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 he's so smart that I watch him come through the neutral zone and he's doing, you know, he's scanning the ice and finding where he needs to be to be open to get a puck and make things happen. He's going back into the defensive zone and he's scanning everything. Like it's, it's all so like very smart. Every, just the way that he plays is incredible. And it's, I, I don't think I've ever seen someone scan the ice the way he does going from zone to zone to zone to zone to zone. And he's always just in the right spot for it. We've said it before uh, in our previous show, him wearing number 62 is just absolutely perfect. Like it, it's hard to not, you know, think of Arturi Lekkanen watching him play. And I know some people are like, could he get NHL games this year? And my thought is no, he shouldn't let him go to the OHL. He will play preseason games. His intelligence and his defensive work is already at an NHL level. There's still more to his game to develop a little bit. That playing against prospects is one thing. Uh, against NHL professionals is a complete other at this point. There's a logjam at center right now, which we are going to talk about in our mailbag episode tomorrow. Um, and I do think that, you know, that that definitely does have a lot to do with just right now. They don't need him. Um in the NHL level. So like, I think for me, um, 
you know, he, he maybe he's ready to like play in the NHL, but you, there's absolutely zero need to rush him. There's no need to rush him. Like he can continue to play in the OHL. He can dominate there again. He can increase his production because that was a huge knock on him last year. And we don't know the context of that, right? Like his line mates may have had a lot to do with it. Although I'm sure that he would never blame them uh, because Owen Beck is perfect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just, I just think that, you know, he's the kind of player where we can just chill. He's going to be fine. Assuming everything goes even remotely according to plan, even like a minimum amount of going to plan, he's going to make the NHL. So he just needs to continue on that path. I am glad that you did mention that. It's like, just to have a little bit of patience with him. It's like, and that thing is the Canadians don't need him to be an NHL player this year. They don't need him to be an NHL player next year. He might be, but they don't need him to be. It, it's a really nice ace in the hole uh, to have that kind of developing center in the program now. Like, okay, we needed someone to replace Philip Deneau. Owen Beck looks like a guy who could be very much in that mold very, very quickly. And but they don't need him this year. They don't need him next year. And I think he's going to take a little bit of time in the AHL before they can be patient with him. And that's the biggest thing. And that's actually going to lead me into um, one of my other ups, which is a surprise here. Uh, William Trudeau was one of my big winners this weekend. He did a lot to endear himself to the, well, it's rocket coaching staff who were behind the bench, but also uh, Martin St. Louis and his team were there watching the game as well with Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon and everybody else. Trudeau did everything really well in all three zones. He was smart with the puck in his own end. He was physical when called upon, but not overly aggressively physical. He moved the puck well. He skates really well, and he got himself into the right positions to make plays happen. Uh, William Trudeau is someone who never is going to have a ton of flash to his game, but I looked at the consistent way he played, and it reminded me a lot of Brett Kulak is that it's the little details that matter the most. And he had all the little details uh, throughout this tournament. He threw a couple of big hits. He got under some skin. He, you know, scored a goal, helped set up some goals. He played in all situations. Ceiling, maybe not the highest out of everyone in the Canadians draft pool. But at the same time, there's something to be said about a guy who you can put in any situation and go, okay, I know what I'm getting here. A very nice safety blanket. Um he was, and this is going to sound so crazy because I think he was arguably the Canadians' most consistent defender all weekend. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of big names playing in this, but I do think he was uh, arguably the most consistent one out there, even if he wasn't the most physical or the flashiest or with the highest pedigree or anything like that. I thought it was really interesting when you said Brett Kulak because to me, it seemed like he was doing all the things right. Right. Like in my mind, that's that's what I felt is that he was a player that often gets overlooked because of how late he was drafted. And he wasn't, you know, like there was Joshua Ron Riley Kidney in the, in the queue that were making big names for themselves. I just I find that for him, I don't know if he's going to make the NHL or not, but you can certainly see that there's a lot of hockey sense there. Right. There's going to be a lot of factors that go in, especially with later later round guys. Like there's going to be a lot of factors that will kind of affect whether or not they do make the NHL or even the AHL. I just think that his hockey sense is just second. I mean, it's where it needs to be. That's what I would say. And you're right about that is that it's we've talked a lot about how Owen Beck was always in the right spot and reading the right plays. William Trudeau did that, maybe not in the same way, because Beck obviously being a forward is covering a lot more ground in that. And and to kind of offshoot off of Trudeau a little bit, uh, Miguel Torini, who was their draft pick in this year's draft, an overager playing for uh, 
Acadie Bathurst, the Teton, he's he's small. Like, I mean, he's five foot seven, and they had him paired with Arbor Jack Eye on the first night, and it was hilarious. He did a lot of really smart things with the puck, and he was hyper aggressive. Like, when he wants to get in the play, he is gone. He, he's the leading forward on there, like a roving defenseman. And they encourage that. They let guys be themselves. It allowed guys like Trudeau to play the game they want. Torini to play the guy the way that they wanted. I'm a big fan of that. They're all, they're nurturing these players to become the best versions of themselves in this tournament so far. They're not shoehorning them into being, you know, do this, get the puck out, change, off the glass, out. They're letting these players play to their strengths, and it shows. And it really helps these guys get comfortable. There's not jitters. It's They're making the plays that they should be making. Absolutely agree. And now I'm curious, who is your third up? Because I, I have a guess, and then I'm going to let you say it, and you tell, and, and then we'll see if we agree. Uh, my third up is Xavier Simeno, who uh, over the course of this weekend, Hattie from Eyes on the Prize, who we had on the show, is a huge fan and sis he's going to be an NHL player. I didn't know because of his size, which... I know size is never a detriment uh, overall. We've seen it with Brendan Gallagher, Harvey Pennard, uh, Cole Caulfield. Xavier Simeno plays the game so intelligently that he has like eyes in the back of his head. I can't count the amount of times that he's working along the boards. He gets the puck. Someone is coming in to, I mean, just level him. And he spins right out into a safety lane and is already going back on net. There wasn't a scrum that he was not a part of. He won every battle he was going in for. I came away really, really impressed with what I saw from him. He's on an AHL contract this year. I think uh, the Rocket are going to love him. He he is more Brendan Gallagher than Rafael Harvey Pinard is. He's got that. He's got the feistiness to fight back on everything. Harvey Pinard managed to stay out of the penalty box. Uh, Xavier Simino is going to make a lot of friends very quickly in the AHL, and I think Jean Francois Hul is going to love a guy like him. There's a tenacity to his game that you cannot turn off and you cannot that you cannot teach. And I think that's going to help get him. Uh, it's going to get him an entry level contract unless he's just absolutely, you know, falls apart this year. Everything I've seen from him screams, he's going to be a feisty bottom six forward before too long. And it might come quicker than we think. I think he's going to be a fan favorite extremely quickly for the rocket. So I, you did tell me somebody that I did not expect you to say, I agree with you, though. Um, I do think that that he did really showcase himself really well, which was kind of the purpose of this. I thought you were going to say Philip Meshar. Um, in my mind, just because for me, he was an unknown quantity when he got drafted, right? Like when he was drafted, you had already done his eyes on the prize profile. But for me, he was sort of, I had to like scramble and look back because he wasn't somebody that even came up in our conversations really with our, with our prospect expert guests. Like he wasn't somebody on the radar. So I had to scramble back and learn about him. And I thought he was just, he's so smart. Like he's, he's so like, he makes things look effortless which I thought to me like really stood out. Uh, obviously, like when he was drafted, they talked about all the, the parts of his game that he needs to round out. And now with Kitchener, he's going to do that. Um, I, I just, I, there was something about how fluidly and how naturally he plays that to me felt very beautiful to watch. Um, and I know it was only, you know, it's a prospect. It's, it's a couple of games. It's not, it's not a whole lot of, 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 of um, exposure or whatever, but I'm really going to enjoy looking, watching him in the OHL this year because I, I like what he brings to the table. I like that it wasn't, you know, the first, the first night people are like, Oh, well he and he and his Slavkovsky have been playing together forever. I don't think it was about that. I think, him legitimately 
on his own did enough to to like make it look make himself look really great and i and i would agree he was someone i did like a lot of and i he's he's got all the skill in the world he likes slavkovsky we're going to talk about in tomorrow's episode there's some polishing that's needed in parts of their game there and him going to the ohl i think is very good because he's playing against his age group here it allows him to they need to figure out he's played both wing and center in this tournament. So the Canadians are going to, you know, find out which one is he really. And I think it's going to help uh, get him on that path there. I did come away very impressed with Philip Mayshar. Just the wheels and agility are out of this world. The hand skills, all that stuff is very good. It's just working on the little intricacies of the game, working along the boards, operating in some space there. You see it clicking. And his talent with Slavkovsky is undeniable, but there is just some polishing to that, and which again is fine. Uh, they're going to find out a lot about him in the OHL this year. The OHL is going to have a lot of very fun battles. Mayshar versus Beck is going to be very fun. It, it's going to be a good time. I came away really impressed with. I can't think of anyone that I came out of this like they were terrible, boss, terrible, gross. No, no one in this. Even even the tryout guys like John Parker Jones, who I have no idea anything about, scored a beautiful breakaway goal in the game against the Senators. Like I, I came away very impressed with all the Canadians' prospects. Uh, obviously, no one is perfect, but there's a lot more good than uh, bad when I was taking notes throughout the games here. What is going to be bad and gross and terrible is if you miss our next episode, because we're going to talk about Slavkovsky and we've got our mailbag questions that you sent on Friday, Saturday and Sunday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, And all of that's coming up in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Um, You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians as well. Uh, You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You'll find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matlin. You'll find his writing at Tabs eyes on the prize. You'll find me on Twitter at the active stick and you'll find my writing nowhere at the moment. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And when you're done listening to us, make sure you check out locked on NHL because they have all the greatest storylines that are going on around the league.